0: Thank you, Levi, for reading the Word of God for us today. This morning, we are talking about what is perhaps one of the most well-known stories in the life of Jesus. It's the washing of the feet of the disciples. Uh, To me, this has always been uh, a a story about the humility that Jesus shows towards those that we would normally call his his subservience, the the individuals who are... um, Less than him, Uh, the way in which Jesus is willing to be humble about his own position. And that's certainly a message I want us to take away today. Uh, As Jesus says to Peter, You don't understand what I'm doing right now, but soon you will understand. And in fact, that has sort of been a theme for several chapters, uh, several uh, sections of scripture that we've covered in the last few weeks the anointing of Jesus, the triumphal entry and this week the washing of the disciples' feet, oftentimes those who are observing what's happening are confused. They're individuals who maybe should know and understand what Jesus is about and what he's doing, but are perhaps confused by the context, the way in which Jesus behaves, the way in which others behave toward Jesus, and the celebration uh, that happens around him. They're excited about Jesus, but they don't necessarily understand the story that's being told. Those are things that I think we could take away from this passage today. Of course, there's you know the the dialogue between Jesus and Peter, where uh, Peter says, "I'm not I'm not taking this, Jesus. You're not going to wash my feet. That's not the way this works." And Jesus says, "If you don't let me wash you, you have no part of me." And of course, there's the interchange there that happens, where then Peter is so I want to be a part of this, and uh, and Jesus has to restrain him. Uh, I'm not here to wash your whole body. I'm here to wash just your feet. We could talk about that. We could spend a lot of time discussing what happens there. But there's a, a piece of this story that I think we often just sort of skim by. Uh, and that's what I want to focus on this morning. It's not that the rest of the stories aren't important or significant or, or worth us considering. But nestled into all of this is is the story of Jesus and one man. Uh, now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. This is the introduction to the story. And and right there in the middle of it, we have this sort of shocking statement that the devil has already put it into Jesus, uh, Judas's heart to betray him. This is something that we've known as readers of the Gospel of John for a little while now. And during the uh, statement about uh, the, uh, the anointing of Jesus, we, we see this comment from John that Judas was to betray Jesus. And so we are not surprised by this, But the author makes it very clear, John makes it very clear in the writing of his gospel, that the disciples are surprised that one of them will betray Jesus. In fact, when Jesus brings it up in verse 21, uh, what we ultimately see is that Jesus is not surprised, but the disciples all find it shocking because they can reflect internally and say, well, I'm not going to betray you. I, I would never betray you, Jesus. but it's in Judas' heart already. Now, Jesus is not surprised by any of this. He's troubled by it, we're told. He's not surprised. Jesus is not surprised that he's going to die on a cross. Jesus is not surprised that he'll be heralded by people as he enters into Jerusalem. Jesus is not surprised by anything, it seems, over the course of the Gospel of John. I had mentioned a few weeks ago and got a hearty amen from John Kester that uh, Jesus is not, he's not the king of coincidence. He is intentional in everything that he does. And there is no surprise to him in the things, the events that unfold around him. And so if it has been placed in Judas's heart already to betray Jesus, it should not be surprising to us that Jesus is unsurprised. And it's in this context that John places this statement, that Jesus laid aside his outer garments and took a towel and tied it around his waist. And then he tells us what he does. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is Jesus' activity in this passage this is what he chooses to do with his disciples. It's a choice he makes, knowing their hearts, having spent three years traveling with them, examining them, teaching them, instructing them, eating with them, sleeping alongside them, traveling from place to place. This is, this is the crew that he knows inside and out. Foils, there are foibles, faults, failures everything that there is inside of them. And Jesus decides to wash their feet. And he decides to include Judas in this. I want you to think about that for a moment. We oftentimes focus, again, on, on the dialogue between Peter and Jesus, because I think sometimes that's the one we want to relate to most, uh, this Enthusiasm about being all in. Not just my feet, Jesus, but my hands and my face as well. You know, wash, wash the whole of me. I want to be completely clean. I, if I have to be washed to be involved with you, go all the way. We, we want to relate to that. We want to wash the feet of the people who are all in. But Jesus washes the feet of the one who's about to betray him. And over the last couple of years, as I've read this passage over and over and over again, this is the story that has stuck out to me. Because I think if if we're honest with ourselves, we've all betrayed Jesus at some point. We have all been in the position of Judas. We have all sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. We have all had a price that we've been willing to put on our relationship with him. And there have been times that we have sold out ourselves and our relationship with Jesus out of convenience. Maybe we've sold out our relationship with Jesus because it's just a little more comfortable not to have to hold to the line. We've sold out our relationship with Jesus because uh, things just aren't moving the way we want them to, and so what we do is we take the easy avenue to get to the ends that we think are justified, or get to the ends by the means we think justify them. I think we skip over the realization that even the betrayer is amongst these individuals who has his feet washed, Because if we count him in this group, it means we have to wash the feet of the betrayers in our lives. and We don't want to be the betrayers. We don't want to associate ourselves with Judas. We don't want to put our feet in his shoes. But there are a lot of people out there whose feet we're willing to place in those shoes. This is a person who is untrustworthy. This is a person who will betray me. This is a person who has mistreated me. This is a person who has abused my trust. Someone that I thought was on my inner circle. The person that I, I could rely on. And they turned on me. You know, usually, with those individuals in our lives, we don't outright call them a liar, a thief, a cheater, a scoundrel. We engineer social situations to distance ourselves from them. We miss their email. We didn't get that phone call. We must have missed the invitation to the party. You hurt me before, and I'm going to find ways to just sort of let you fall into the background. I'm going to forget about you. I'm going to write you off. I'm not going to do it in big, bold, outlandish ways. I'm not going to proclaim to everyone that knows both of us that we're off now. Now, sometimes we have relationships that end that way, especially for particularly dramatic people. But I think most of the time when we find a Judas in our lives, the way that we go about handling it is we just silently forget about them. Jesus doesn't do that. Judas is included in all the things up to the very end. Jesus, in fact, has proclaimed this. I have loved them to the end. And I want to ask you to consider for a moment here who the Judases in your life might be. Who is someone that has betrayed or hurt you? Who is someone that has created a rift in a relationship that seems, at least as far as you're concerned, incapable of being mended? Are there people that you have cut ties with, either boldly, loudly, or quietly? Have you washed their feet? Have you given them the opportunity to witness your act of love and service to them? See, what I find interesting about this is that the way Jesus treats the one who betrays him is not the way that I treat the ones who betray me. I am perfectly fine with washing the feet of the people who I know are going to have my back. Now, of course, we know, based on the rest of the story, that all of them, to some extent or another, abandon Jesus. This is sort of the theme of the Gospels, is that in the moment of need, every one of us would fall into the position of saying, you know, I like Jesus, but I'm going to stand at a distance because I really don't want to go to the cross myself. Now, after the cross... After the resurrection, all of the apostles are willing to lay down their lives for the faith. But before the cross, many of them, all of them, I think it says, abandon him to one extent or another. It might be safe to say that it's actually not that remarkable that Jesus would wash the feet of Ju- uh, Jesus would wash the feet of Judas if he would wash the feet of every other one of the disciples because he can look them in the eye and say I know where you will be on the day that I'm crucified I know where you will not be on the day that I'm crucified I know how you're going to respond to my death. I know that you're going to be afraid, that you're going to be off alone in in a space that you're trying to hide away from the Romans and trying to hide away from the Pharisees and trying to hide away from the Sadducees. I know that your response to the work that I am about to do is going to be fear and trembling and not the kind that I would ask you for out of reverence for God. And so you'll have no part of me. That's not what Jesus does. The remarkable thing about the washing of the feet of Judas is that every single one of the individuals in the room is to some extent or another a betrayer who still needs to be washed, and Jesus washes them knowing what they will do in the days to come. I want to encourage you to think about this in your own life. Again, you have individuals in your mind, I am positive, that you can think of that have let you down, that have failed you in some way, shape, or form. And I ask you again, have you washed their feet? Because I guarantee you, the accounting of this in the Gospels is not coincidental. The apostles remember this moment. For the remainder of their lives, that the Jesus that they were about to abandon did not abandon them. That the Jesus that they were about to let go to the cross and to stand back and in many ways remain silent about the situation as it unfolded, that He showed them tremendous humility and love and service. In washing their feet. Now, the custom that's unfolding here, the thing that we see in the washing of the disciples' feet, is actually something that multiple times in the Gospels, Jesus himself is denied by hosts. Jesus actually boldly tells an individual uh, who, uh, 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 Um, tax uh, Pharisee, a Pharisee who has him into his house, that, you know, here's this woman who's washing my feet with her tears, and you never thought to wash my feet when I came into your house. Jesus is denied over and over again the common civility of a host washing the feet or having his um, servants wash the feet of his guest. And yet Jesus humbles himself to the position of washing the feet of his disciples. You know, there's an interesting thing that Jesus says to his disciples in all of this, something that I personally find very challenging. Uh, At the end of this chapter, after he has washed their feet, after he has discussed the idea of uh, one of them betraying him, he says these words. This is at the, uh, the end of the chapter, verse 31. Now is the Son of Man glorified. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What Jesus does here, in the presence of his disciples and soon-to-be betrayers, soon-to-be deniers, the next section tells us, is show them love. A love wrapped in a towel. A love on its knees, handling dirty feet. A love that is willing to take that for glory. If you remember when we discussed the triumphal entry, the voice from heaven says, my name has been glorified and it will be glorified again. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that what we end up seeing here when Jesus says, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. I think these two things are connected here. See, if you hear a voice from heaven saying, my name has been glorified and it will be glorified again as people are shouting Hosanna to the King of Kings, as they're waving palm branches, as there's this parade that goes down the middle of the street, you might be thinking that what God is talking about is that the glory will be found on a throne in the middle of the, the city, or it will be found in the temple. But instead, it's found in a quiet upper room, over a meal, with a Savior who has just washed feet. And so last week we talked about this idea that the triumph of Jesus, the the triumphal entry, is in many ways a mockery of what humanity thinks of triumph. I'm going to say that the washing of the disciples' feet, specifically the washing of the betrayer's feet and the denier's feet, is God making a mockery of what we think of glory. there are a lot of us that would like glory for ourselves. The kind of glory that the world gives. We'd like an extra plaque with our name on it. We want to have... Uh, the, the title, the position. We want to be the ones that get a little party celebrating how great we are. We want to be the ones that are elevated in some way. We, we really like it when we can put like the world's best boss mug on our desk or uh, world's greatest dad or grandpa or grandma. We like those sorts of things. We like accolades. We like being told how wonderful we are. It's great. It's grand. It's outstanding. If, uh, if someone comes along and posts on our Facebook wall, what a good job we did with something, or you know, gives us credit for things, we find ourselves feeling glorified. And what Jesus tells us is, that's not what glory looks like. Be the world's greatest grandpa or grandma, that's good. But the glory comes in our service to those who would betray us, deny us, and abandon us. Jesus' name is glorified in the service to those who fail to serve him. And I want to encourage you this week to ask yourself, whose feet am I going to wash? And, And it's fine if you look around your house and you say, I'm going to wash the feet of my spouse. I'm going to wash the feet of my children. Hopefully you've washed your children's feet at some point. If you haven't, you've missed a very significant part of parenting. fine and dandy to wash the feet of the people that you love. But there are a lot of people that we don't have a deep abiding affection for that we need to be washing the feet of. And Jesus loves them. Okay, and I, I want to be clear, I'm using two different forms of love here. There is the love that we have, the familial love for our children, for our spouse, for our parents, for the people that are naturally a part of our lives, and that's good. You should wash the feet of those people that you love. And then there are the people that we don't have a whole lot of affection for, that we are called to love anyway. Our neighbors, our enemies, our enemies. And Jesus has just shown us what love looks like and told us that the new commandment that he has given to us is to love one another. Now, certainly to love one another, but to love one another as well, those who are outside of the walls, those who would betray, deny, and abandon us. He says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples. This is how I will be glorified. There's a truck that drives around town, maybe not a truck, an SUV. Micah and I saw it the other day, and in big bold letters on the back, it just says Jesus. I thought that was pretty cool. I told Micah, I'm not sure what they're saying about Jesus, but I can at least agree with that one word right there. Jesus, yes, I like that. We can go around and we can make big, bold proclamations in solid block lettering about the one we follow. But if we fail to show love to those who would betray, deny, and abandon, we have failed to proclaim the glory of God. So I challenge you this week to consider those that are your Judas, to consider those who are your Peter in denial, to consider those who are your Friday, day of crucifixion, disciples who have abandoned you, and to wash their feet. Because it's in that that we show the glory of our God. And we don't do it to glorify ourselves. We don't do it so that we receive accolades and praise. We do it because, in that, people will say, This person, this person knows Jesus. This person knows what the glory of God really looks like. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, there are a lot of feet in need of washing. There are a lot of people out there that are just looking for someone to come along and serve them, to love them, to be humble before them. And there are a lot of people that are waiting for the opportunity to hurt us in some way. And what you are telling us, I believe, in this passage today, is that those people are oftentimes one and the same. And we are not called to seek revenge on them. We are not called to lord it over them, to elevate ourselves above them, to place ourselves in a position where we get our, our justice. But instead to adopt the towel as our symbol and our flag and to wash the feet of those who would betray and deny and abandon. Help us to be humble as our Savior was humble. Help us to wash even Judas's feet. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you have need of the church this morning, if there are ways that we can serve you, we can wash your feet, we can walk alongside you, we can pray for you, we can help you carry a load that you are Unable to bear yourself. We want you to know that that's what we're here for. Uh, I'm going to be at the back of the auditorium. I would be happy to visit with you. We have a number of people here that would be happy to pray with you today, including some of our elders. Um, If you're wanting to be baptized, uh, we would be happy to baptize you because we believe that it's through baptism that you are participating in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And if that sounds appealing to you, to take on a new identity as a new creation in Christ... We extend that to you today. Uh, We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and continue our worship time today.